There's so much emotionally charged hype out there designed to sell newspapers and advertising rather than inform investors and traders. Want entertainment? Buy a newspaper or a magazine or turn on the news. Want investment and trading concepts explained? Look to Technotrader. Technotrader is the gold standard in trading and investing education taught by experienced and accredited professionals. Don't learn to trade from fad-chasing day traders. And certainly don't think you can grow your portfolio by attending a weekend seminar or watching a free video online. Success in the financial markets is attainable, but like any high-paying profession, it requires the proper education to achieve consistent success. Join those happy few who have taken their investing and trading seriously. Call 888-846-5577 or visit technotrader.com. Hi everyone, today we're going to talk about the Federal Reserve Bank because most everyone hasn't got a foggiest idea what it is and what it's supposed to do and what it was designed to do. And it's important that you understand at least some of the basics of it so that you can understand how their actions actually affect your job, your investments, your financial future, and whether or not you're going to remain in the middle class of America. The Federal Reserve Board started in 1913 after there was a problem with the banks back in those days and a shortage of cash and so on. Federal Reserve is exactly what it means. It is a reserve bank that holds money or is able to provide cash. Oftentimes this is not actual hard cash, but it is a loan on balance sheets or in the form of virtual money that can be loaned from the Federal Reserve Bank, which is part of the government, but separate, to banks so that they can function at times when there is a short-term deficit or not enough money in the bank for the demand that is being placed on that bank by its customers, whether those customers are large corporations, small businesses, or everyday consumers, and the average American. Uh, Americans put money in their bank accounts that are in their savings accounts, in their checking accounts, in CDs, in investments that the bank manages for them. Corporations deposit money into their accounts, checking and savings Small businesses deposit money into their checking accounts and savings accounts into banks. The money is constantly flowing around. Some people are pulling money out of their checking accounts. Other people are putting money into their checking accounts. Or corporations are pulling money or putting money in. If all the corporations pull a whole lot of their money out for a specific purpose, such as buying back shares of stock or investing in something for the company, or if they pay taxes or whatever, that can deplete the amount of money that's in the bank pretty quickly. If there's a panic on a bank, and all the average Americans decide to pull all their money out of the bank, it's called a run on the bank, and it happened in 1929 and caused the great bear market of 1929 to 1936. In order to avoid the banks running out of cash because the banks have to give your money back on demand. They can't delay it. They can't say, well, come back tomorrow. They can't do that. But meanwhile, if you put money in a savings account, they take that money and they invest it. They either loan it to someone else, a corporation or a small business or another person buying a car or whatever. So they don't have that money on hand. 
If it's a CD, then they can do longer-term investments. If it's just a savings account, which is a on-demand redemption, if you go into your bank and you say, I want to pull all my money out of my savings account, they have to supply you with the cash or a cashier's check immediately. And if everybody demands their savings accounts or checks or money out of the bank and the bank doesn't have the money to cover it, the bank defaults and is bankrupt. That's what happened to thousands of banks during the Great Depression and caused the Great Depression because the Federal Reserve did not come in and rescue the banks and interest rates skyrocketed super high because there wasn't enough money to manage the situation. And every time there isn't enough money to cover demand, either give me my money back or I need to use my money to pay taxes or whatever, then there's a shortage of actual cash And then the interest rates that the bank would loan money to borrow skyrocket. See how that works? Okay. The Federal Reserve, therefore, is a reserve of cash that can be loaned to the banks overnight. That's just overnight. Uh, They run short of cash. The Federal Reserve can loan them money at an interest rate. That interest rate is the Federal Reserve interest rate for banks. It has been very low in the past few years, ranging from 25 cents all the way up to $2 or $3. It varies depending on the situation that is at hand with the economy and how the Federal Reserve is fielding and managing the money flow between itself, corporations, banks, and so on. Because it's trying to manage the flow of money so that we never run out of cash. It can do a lot of different things to provide cash to the banks. It can lower its overnight lending rate, which is the Federal Reserve interest rate you hear about every single day in the news lately. Oh, the Feds are going to lower interest rates. The Feds are going to raise interest rates. The Feds are going to lower interest rates. That is only for what they overnight lend to the banks, the big banks. It has nothing to do with your credit cards, your mortgages, or whatever, directly. Indirectly, yes, but directly, no. It keeps the banks solvent because sometimes they run out of cash and they don't have enough money to cover the demand of people withdrawing money or writing checks or whatever pulling their money out of the bank so the bank can't cover other areas of their lending or to pay for their own bills. So the banks are in the business of lending other people's money, making a profit and lending it to somebody else. So they take your money, lend it out to somebody else to run their small business or corporation, and they make a profit by charging a higher interest rate than the rate that they get from the Federal Reserve. There's also one-day lending rate, which is a short-term lending rate that can get skewed up too. If the short-term treasury bills suddenly skyrocket in interest rates on the open market at which they're being sold and bought, that can cause a shortage of money too. And so it's called the repurchase market, and the Federal Reserves will come in to help the banks by buying back the treasury bills that the banks have purchased. The banks purchase treasury bills on a regular basis and then resell them. But sometimes 
the interest rates go in the wrong direction and the banks would be losing money when they sold those treasury bills. So instead of the banks losing the money, the Federal Reserve will buy them and take them off their hands, providing cash back to the banks for short-term lending. It's all pretty complicated. The money supply is complex, and it's not always cash. A lot of it is just where the treasury bills are being bought, where the treasury bills are being sold, are the banks buying T-bills, and then they mount up too many so they have nothing to lend to other people. So then the Federal Reserve comes in and buys those T-bills from the banks and so on. And the Federal Reserve holds a huge what's called balance sheet of what they have purchased or lent out and so on and so forth. It grew very large after the banking debacle of 2008. And the Federal Reserve Bank was trying to lower that balance sheet of outstanding treasury bills and mortgage-backed securities and so on that they have bought from banks to keep the banks solvent. Now, there's another area that you need to know about. After the banking debacle of 2008, when so many banks went under and it was alarming and we had to bail out the banks, remember we gave them a lot of money and then we restricted them. The Congress of that era restricted the banks and put into act a lot of new laws and regulations that the banks actually hated. But since they were going under because they didn't have enough cash to meet the everyday demand, if somebody came into their bank and said, I want my money out of my savings account or checking account, the bank had to provide it. If you write a check, the bank has to have the cash on hand to fulfill that obligation. But a lot of times they lend your money out that's in your checking account. You ever wonder why wire transfers take so long? It's because the bank takes that money out of the person that's wire transferring immediately. And then they use that money for a day or two or three to make money on interest rates by lending it on a short-term basis to corporations or small businesses or whatever they're doing, or buying T-bills and selling them, whatever they do. And there's many things they can do with it. And then a few days later, they deposit it into the person who is due that amount from that wire transfer. So all the time, The banks are using other people's money to make money. That's what they do. Well, in 2008, the problem was that there were so many redemption demands on the mortgage-backed securities and the credit default swaps by the buy-side institutions. The mortgage-backed securities started defaulting and the MBSs started becoming illiquid or worthless. So the credit default swaps, which were supposed to cover their insurance policy against such an event, they wanted their money out of it. They turned in their credit default swaps, the buy-side institutions, the banks couldn't redeem on demand. They didn't have enough money. They had sold more credit default swaps than they had cash reserves to cover. So the average American citizen had to bail out the big banks. Or the banks would go completely under and then there would be nothing. It was a terrible decision to have to make because... It was a very negative decision. Nobody wanted to bail out the big banks who had been bad. But if you didn't bail out the big banks, then the whole monetary system would crash and then everybody would be out of a job. The economy would just plummet into an abyss of depression that it would take 20 years to get out of. So it was mandatory to do. The idea with the Federal Reserve is if you keep low interest rates to the banks, the overnight lending rate, that it will stimulate the banks to loan money to others to help stimulate the economy. But there is no obligation by the bank, if the Federal Reserve loans the money overnight at that low interest rate, that they have to pass that on or even lend. So this is a little scary. 
Now, does that mean you need to run and take your money out of the bank? No, because that would be very foolish. Your money is insured by the FDIC up to $250,000 in one single account. So you have to consider if you have more than that, then you need to do something. Also, if your investments are in a retail broker, there's a difference between retail brokers and dealer brokers that are on the professional side. They're completely different companies. Your retail broker should be SIPC insured. You should check that out. And normally the amount that your investments are insured up to, if your retail broker defaults, is $500,000. If you have more than that, then the insurance will not cover it. This doesn't cover you investing in a stock and losing money because you didn't do your homework, you didn't know technical analysis, and you didn't study things. It just ensures the value that is there if the broker defaults. So there are insurance policies in place. These are paid by the brokers. The broker has to pay for that insurance. It is an insurance policy like the FDIC is an insurance policy the banks have to pay into. So you don't have to worry about it because it's an insurance company guaranteeing it. So you don't have to run and take your money out. However, we do need to be a little concerned that the Federal Reserve Board is enduring a tremendous amount of pressure right now, politically and otherwise, and are they making the right decisions that can balance things out? There's another way that they can help ease the money flow problem, and this is probably what's going to happen, is that the banks are required to have cash reserves. Those cash reserves are significantly higher than they were in 2006 and 2007. This happened after the banking debacle, and after the bailouts, that the Congress decided that the banks should hold far more reserve cash. That reserve cash cannot be used for short-term or long-term loans. It is there so that if you go into your bank and you want to take your money out or you write a check, that there is enough cash in reserves to cover your pulling out money out of your savings account or cashing in your CD or writing a check. It's, after all, your money. So they have to hold it in reserve. The Federal Reserve Bank holds money in some form or another to lend to banks so that banks can meet the cash demands of their customers. So think of reserve as money being set aside or assets being set aside that can meet the demands of anyone that goes into a bank and wants their money out of the bank. Now, in 1929, none of this stuff was really in place. So people would try to pull their money out of the bank. The bank went under and there was no FDIC, so they lost everything. So it's different now, but we still have to be careful. The money supply is a very delicate mechanism. It's very complicated. There are many layers to it. The money market is a money market. That The money market is big banks, broker-dealers, the Federal Reserve, all working together to balance it out so that any day you could walk into your bank, up to your ATM, and pull money out of your checking account, and money will come out of that ATM for you to use and spend. You take this stuff for granted. You can walk up to an ATM, or you can go onto your smartphone and pay bills, and you just assume that because you have money in your checking account, your bills will be paid, or you can pull cash, or you can pay something 
via your phone or whatever. You take it for granted. You shouldn't. That money is put in reserve there and insured so that everyone can do this without having to think about it. I'm hoping this makes sense to you because I think it's very important that every American becomes financially educated. One of the reasons I do this, I retired quite a long time ago because I made all my money when I was a young person, but I feel that this is very, very important that you get a proper education and that you really understand what is going on. Also, I invite you to come to our website. We have all kinds of courses that cover in depth the different aspects of different financial markets. We cover retirement accounts. We cover short-term trading, options trading, all kinds of different kinds of important information for your financial future. If you're between the ages of 40 and 65, you really need to start worrying about this because we are becoming a financially based economy. The financial industry is becoming even more dominant and more powerful than the technology industry. And that can be a shocker for a lot of you. In the future, we will no longer be a consumer-based economy. Why? Because our population is aging rapidly now, and there are more people over the age of 40 than under 40. People are having fewer children. Women are having children later at older ages. There are fewer teenage moms, and there's less immigration to the United States. So we're an aging population, and as the population ages, it no longer is a consumer based economy because older people don't buy as much as younger people. They have everything they need. So it's services and financials and investments and trading stocks and making a living from a trading business. You can be a trader and have a trading business, a sole proprietorship or a subchapter S or an LLC, and you can make an income independent of any corporation or business. You don't have to work for somebody else doesn't take a lot of money, and it's, it's something that anybody can learn to do. Mostly, it's about wanting to learn and being fascinated with the markets and wanting to be independent, wanting to be able to take care of yourself without some other corporation suddenly laying you off or you finding yourself without a job, and then what do you do? Come to our website and visit us at technotrader.courses. I'm Martha Stokes, and that's our radio show for this week. There's so much emotionally charged hype out there designed to sell newspapers and advertising rather than inform investors and traders. Want entertainment? Buy a newspaper or a magazine or turn on the news. Want investment and trading concepts explained? Look to Technotrader. Technotrader is the gold standard in trading and investing education taught by experienced and accredited professionals. Don't learn to trade from fad-chasing day traders. And certainly don't think you can grow your portfolio by attending a weekend seminar or watching a free video online. Success in the financial markets is attainable, but like any high-paying profession, it requires the proper education to achieve consistent success. Join those happy few who have taken their investing and trading seriously. Call 888-846-5577 or visit technotrader.com.